I just want to share for a little while first. I want to continue on with what the Lord gave me for last week. This will be part two. If you want to listen to part one, you can go and find it on the podcast. But I want you to look, if you will, to the screen. We're going to pull up a verse. It's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Verse 5. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I love His Word. I tell you that often. I love that God preserved His Word for us to be reading here today. What an amazing thing that we have. And in fact, I've preached before that I think there's a greater accountability for us today because we have it all compiled into one book. I mean, I'm preaching from it in an iPad. I have unlimited research. I can look up any Greek or Hebrew word. I can see exactly what the meaning of every single word is that's in this verse in the original text. And we have that today, I believe, as a gift The same technologies, right, that can draw us away and distract us, and we can't even walk in a sidewalk anymore. China's got a sidewalk for people with cell phones so that you can text and walk at the same time. Well, this very same thing, I believe the Lord, He's preserved it, and He's, I feel like God's in heaven saying, how easy can I make it for you to see the truth, to hear the truth? Can I make it any easier for you? And I, I, you know what, I'm thankful for that, though. I'm using his ease, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful, and I'm going to use it, right? Amen. But it says that every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The first thing we need to see is that there is an evil world. When we're born, if you were born into a Christian home or into a home that believes in Jesus Christ, you've been learning since you were a child that there is a devil, just as there is God, and, there, and we are in this temporary world. If you've never heard that before, that's the truth. One thing that I love about God's Word is that it's fact. If you question some of it but believe some of it, it doesn't make any sense. A part lie with part truth is ultimately ultimately what? A lie. Even just a little lie with a lot of truth is still a lie. So when you read God's word, you have to look at it as either absolute fact, absolute truth, or don't believe it at all. You can't pick and choose what Jesus you believe in. There's all kinds of Jesuses today. You don't believe me? Just look at it like I said before. You've got an athlete that says, you know, Jesus did this for me, but then his life certainly doesn't reflect it. I wonder what Jesus he's giving praise to. We have to believe God in his word. We have to believe the God of his word. 
And when we look at his word and we see it as fact, we need to look at his word as, a, as absolute truth. So when he says that there's an evil world, okay, Lord, I believe you. Not because I need to even see it to believe you. But if you open your eyes, you can see the darkness is increasing. People are becoming more and more selfish instead of selfless. I was just telling the story last week. I pull a motor home and you find out how selfish people are when you're pulling a trailer. <laughs> because, you know, with a car, you might be able to squeeze in like, hey, my lane's ending, man, let me in. And you realize that they never let you in. You just squeezed in because once you have the trailer, they're not letting you in. We don't have to go very far to see it, but I don't need to see it to believe it. I believe it because it's in his word. I believe that it's truth because God said it. God said there's an evil world. But I also believe that he said every child of God defeats this evil world. And I believe that there's only one way to overcome in this world, and that is through my faith. And not just faith in general, because a lot of people say, I have faith. I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. It's like saying I have faith in an airplane and I have faith in the parachute. But until you actually step out of the plane and trust that that parachute's gonna work before you hit the ground, you didn't have faith. You just had a, a concept in your mind, a belief. It becomes faith when you put it into action. And, and he tells us, very clearly, what is real faith? It's those who believe in Jesus, in the, in, as Jesus is the Son of God. And I said a statement last week that I just want to continue with. That just because you haven't seen or experienced the victory in your life doesn't mean it's not already working or that it's not on its way. See, just as perception... We, we use our eyes and we use our senses and we use our minds for everything we do. We're making little micro decisions based upon the mannerisms of Tony and I having a conversation. I'm reading his mannerisms and, basing, and I'm creating a picture in my mind of what's going on in his life today just based on his mannerisms. We all do that. We're all perceiving things. And, and then meanwhile, he's just not feeling good today. But my perception has painted the picture that he doesn't like me. And the reality is, is that we have our eyes and minds working at all times and we're perceiving and we're looking and we're making decisions about all kinds of things, about God, about what's true, about what's not all the time. And, 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 and it's not, that's not a bad thing, but if you come back, if you try to bring that into your Christianity, into your faith, you're going to be really upset. You're going to be really disappointed because you're going to be looking just as you did before. It's like when you are making money, you're happy, and when you're not making money, you're usually not very happy, right? And what happens is, is that's fine. That's this normal world. That's the world we live in. You need money to live in this world. But all of a sudden, you become a Christian, and things aren't exactly what they seem. And the things that you think should be there to give you your happiness don't come in the way they should or they're not there at all. And, and instead of, uh, of looking with different eyes, we look at that scenario and we, and we lose our faith. We forget what Jesus has done. We forget his victory. 
We need to know his word is fact. We need to know these three things, if you can get these things today, that what God says he will do, that victory is fact for the believer, and finally, that the circumstances are irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if God says that you will have victory, you will defeat this world, you will overcome in this world with me, then I believe his fact over what I see, over what I feel, and over what I think. I've talked about this many times that Christianity is shifting. They're, they're trying to create whole, a whole new branches of Christianity. They're just... It's the cut and paste Bible because it doesn't fit with today's society so we just create whatever gospel we want. And that's because there are somebody or, and somebody's in a group are looking and they're saying, well, this doesn't make sense in his word so let's adjust his word to my perception instead of adjusting our perception to his word. When you're a Christian, I didn't plan on saying this, this is coming out. You will always be weird. It's never going to make sense. Jesus was weird. They could not get their grip on him. Who is this guy? You can't worry about that. Jesus said if, in fact, he said if they hate me, they're going to hate you. You don't worry about that, that what God is asking you to think, the way he's asking you to look at the world is very different than the people around you. If you're going to try to match your perception with their perception, you're always going to fail. It's not going to happen. But he said we have victory. And this is a very interesting word. This word victory that he uses here is actually only used once in the entire Bible. And it's used in this verse. We have other words for victory. But this word is actually the Greek word Nike. That's where the brand got it from. They took it from the Greek God, obviously. But the writers here were writing in Greek. So that was their word. It meant victory. It meant, but specifically, not just victory, but over a battle, over an obstacle. I mean, the Olympic Games, that was going on right here when they were writing these scriptures. And it was this word that meant you've overcome, you've completed, you've finished, you have passed it, you have competed. We don't compete in Christianity for God's favorite, but you're competing with yourself. That's the best way I can describe it. You're running to win, not so that you can beat your brother and sisters, but in a way that you're a winner. And it says that we are victorious. We are have, we achieve, this is ours through our faith. Which means, if I believe his word, and if I believe the scripture as fact, if I believe in Jesus, and if I've put my faith in him, then I'm not worried about what it looks like right now. I know that when I get to that finish line, I'm going to win, period. And what's going to happen is, is just be, the fact that we're living in this evil world means that it's coming from somewhere. There is a devil who's going to come alongside you every step of that race. Every single step you take on that race, he's whispering lies to you. Just quit. 
Who's ever been in a race of any sort, bicycle, swimming, whatever, or even as a kid, you don't want to tie your legs together, three-legged race. If you're not in good shape, you want to quit that. But something tells you when you're in a race that you can't do this. Your mind starts telling you, you can't do this. Why did you sign up for this? I was in one recently and I said, we, got to, we had two more miles to go and I was spent because this was an obstacle race. It wasn't just running. So, I mean, you're using your entire body and I was just exerted. And I was like, man, two more miles. I can't do this. But you can do it. You just keep going. You just put one foot in front of the other and you don't stop. Plain and simple. God wants us to know as believers that even though the devil's telling you you're not going to make it, he's telling you you can't. He's telling you this whole thing is foolish. This whole gospel is foolish. Jesus dies on a cross and sheds his blood for you. And he's going to be telling you these lies over and over and over again, just as your mind does during that race. And we need to know, just as you do in the natural, just as I decided to do that, okay, I am going to finish this. And nothing supernatural happened in that. We have a supernatural God to help us in a supernatural race. But in the natural, it was okay. Well, I'm not going to think about the two miles, but I can think about this next step and this next step and this next step. And before you know it, it was only one mile left. And there's the last obstacle. And then before you know it, you're crazy if you think this way, but if you've been in a race or some sort of competition, a couple hours later, you're like, I want to do it again. It's like a, a woman giving birth. I don't know. There's something mentally wrong. There's a short fuse. It gets something that God has done to protect women so that they actually give birth to another child. Because if men who are alongside your wives during that process, I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> it's crazy. I want you to look at a verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, Don't you realize in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away. That's what I'm talking about. That's just a natural race. I did it for what? Actually, that race wasn't even that prize. It was just your own personal thing. They gave you armbands for the obstacles you completed, but you felt good when you had them on. Like, man, I want, I want another armband. But it's just a temporary prize. He says they do it in an earthly way, right? Training and running to win for a prize that will fade away. But we, that's believers. That's those who have put Christ first. That's those who said, my life's not my own. There's something bigger. There's something greater than me. I didn't make myself. I was fearfully and wonderfully made in my mother's womb. And that was for a purpose. That's us. And it says we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26, so I run with purpose in every step. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, 
verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Again, if you're reading the scriptures as fact, who set the race before you? Did you decide to get into this race? You said yes to Jesus, and by, by doing that, the starting line, the gun went off. The race was set. You just decided on Jesus, and he puts you into a race, and it says, verse 2, and this is what I really want you to get today. I'm going to pound this into our minds today. The victory is ours only because of verse 2. We do this. Let's read this out loud, church. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know, there's only one victory that you truly have. Anything you do in this earth, anything, even the greatest of feats, even the greatest of names become statues and memorials. That's it. There is nothing that you can take with you there is nothing that you can achieve in this earth that has eternal value except, Jesus tells us, for the kingdom of God, both glorifying him and loving the people that he's put around you. That's it. And it says that we can do that. You know, you cannot do that. You can't even love Jesus without Jesus helping you love him. Who knows I'm telling the truth, who has cried out? Who has prayed this prayer? Lord, I love you, but help me love you more. I feel cold to you, Lord. I feel cold. I don't want to feel cold. I, want, I actually, who's cried out to me? I really actually want to know you. I want to love you. I feel like I don't even have, even have the strength to do that sometimes. Help me love you more. I love that he answers that prayer every time. It may take some time. That's the cool thing about God. There is no time with him. He's not looking at you and saying, well, that was a year ago. A lot we could have done in that year, but all right, we'll start again. There's no time in him. There's only a finish line in God. There's temporary and there's eternal. And the line that we cross is the finish line. That's it. All that God is looking at is, remember the turtle, right? The tortoise and the hare, right? Doesn't matter the pace you take. It's just getting across that line. Some people are a little bit slower than others. And I mean by some, I mean all. If we're all like the rest of us, we're all a little stubborn about God. God's constantly calling us. You talk, have that one conversation with that one person and you knew that that person was saying what you needed to hear to turn to God. And you go on and you live your life for a season and then someone else says something or you even have a dramatic experience in your life, and you knew that God saved you, and you keep going on with your own life. And God keeps doing that, loving you, and loving you, and loving you, and loving you, and loving you, right to that end, so that finally, even at the finish line, for you to say yes to him and cross victorious. That's what he's looking for in us. 
and he will help you do it because it says in verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion or the victor who initiates. He's the author and he's the finisher. He began it. He created you. And if you let him, he'll finish you. He made you in your mother's womb. And then we get out of our mother's womb. We say, well, thank you very much. I'm going to do my own thing. It's like the child. This is a classic scenario. You've all, all fathers and mothers have seen this. You're sitting with your child and you grab a French fry from the French fries that you bought for them. And you take one of their fries that are only theirs because of your love for them. They weren't theirs a moment ago when the money came out of your pocket and paid for your fries that you gave to them. And they slap your hand, mine. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? That's what it's like when God makes, he made us. Okay, just create, just see this scenario. He makes you. He makes everything that, even the breath, that's why we sing these songs, even the breath in your lungs is not yours. You ever stop and think about that? The very breath that you're breathing in, your body is so amazing that you don't have to even think about it. But if we remove oxygen, it's not rocket science, you don't have to be very smart to know what happens. And God gives it to us freely gives you everything, and then provides for you. And, and, and everything you need to live, everything you need to make it, everything you need to take care of your children, and so on and so forth. And we say, well, thank you, but no thanks. I'll just take mine, mine. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm real. I like to make it real. But Jesus said, give me your life. Because he said, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. He wasn't worried about the price that he would pay for you. He wasn't worried about its shame. It was a very shameful thing, actually. Like I, I've mentioned before, we picture him in a, in a cute little white thing around his waist, when they crucified someone, it was disgusting. Besides the fact of the actual torture of the murder was disgusting, they'd put you in a public, out there in the public, up high, and you're not wearing a cute little tunic, cute little cloth around your waist. I mean, it's just humiliating. It's exposed. And he said, I, did, I wasn't worried about the shame. Because of the joy awaiting him, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God. Beside God's, beside God's throne. Wow, trying to get that out. It says in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I want to read you a few facts in this verse. Fact number one, he said, have peace in me. In fact, I think a better translation is, you're only going to find true peace in me. 
It's only in me, it's only through me that you're going to have peace. Fact number two, it's one we don't like. We wish that we could white out this part. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Two facts. But the third fact we love, and we love this word right here, but, because what does but mean? But means this line right here is going to get canceled by this. But only with this verse. Trials and sorrows, you don't have to go very far to find suffering, do you? We love today. Today we're going to celebrate life. We love the great things that God has done for us. He loves us so much gives us this gift of children. And if you love him back, he doesn't require your love for him to love you. He loves you unconditionally. But when you love him back, you enter into relationship with him and a life with him. You can raise those children to know him and avoid all of the mess that the world promises is fun. And you find out as you grow up that it's not fun when your friend overdoses on heroin. Oh, but he was just at a party. It was just fun. It's not fun when someone dies. We don't have to go very far to find the trials, the suffering. We've, even in this church, there's been many. We've had death. We've had heartache. We've seen it. That's just the reality of this life. But there's another fact that God gives us. Take heart. That means have joy. It means have courage. I'm going to give you a reason to have courage, even though you're going to face some things, even though this world is constantly pushing you. In fact, the trials and sorrows, the actual Greek word here means pressure. Even though everything you do is pressuring against you, isn't it? Especially when you decide you want to live for Jesus. There's pressure. Jesus said, don't be surprised. This is the biggest thing about our faith that surprises us is we say yes to Jesus Christ and the pressure's still there and we say, what happened? I thought I gave my life to Jesus. Why isn't the pressure gone? Jesus didn't say the pressure would go. He said, take heart because I have overcome the world. To be an overcomer means that you have overcome. Jesus said, we have victory because he had victory, which means to be victorious, right? We already started the message with this, means that you are running and only because of him. My eyes are set on him. It's set on the prize. It's set on the finish line. I can't do it in my own strength. There's nothing in me, but I'm looking to you and I'm going to take another step. And there's trials and there's sorrows and there's things we don't get. And there's, we're constantly battered by what is the, the new science right? What is, what is truth today? Truth is changing constantly and your, your mind's going, okay, I don't know what to believe. Well, that's the moment you just look back to Jesus again. I just, I'm going to look to you again, Lord. Even, even my faith, this thing, Christianity, is getting weird. Trying to mix in all the things of the world and you can just do whatever you want anytime you want. It doesn't matter. Jesus loves you. That's when I go back to his word and find his truth. Not what I think, not what I feel. And we can only do this because of the final fact there that Jesus said, I've overcome the world. See, Jesus was abandoned. He was betrayed. He was rejected by his own people. He looked foolish to the world leaders of his day. They said he's just a man. He lived humble. He had no place to call home 
yet it says in verse 33 that I have overcome the world. I had victory. Victory looks a little bit different than what our perception of victory is. And the, the, the tough thing is about our mind and about perception is, is that when you decide where victory is, if you make that decision that now I have victory, not just coming to Christ, you need to settle now that when you came to Christ, that was your victory. The greatest victory he gave you was death itself. He took away sin and death. And when you came to him, you were instantaneously victorious, which means I don't look at what this life is going to bring me because it will still bring you life. I'm not going to look at those things. I have now become a citizen of eternity, a citizen of heaven. I'm not worried about the things of this world and the trials and the sorrows and those things because if Jesus looked like he was nobody and he was abandoned and it certainly didn't look like God was on his side when the whole world was against him, when they put him on a cross, even his own people, his own flesh and blood, put him on that cross. And yet it says that he was victorious. It says in Philippians chapter 4, and I'll sum up. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, it says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. I love that the Bible tells us everything we need to know. People say, I don't understand it. It's just a book of gibberish. Everything you want to know about your life is in the Word. God has not hidden it from you because He thinks it's funny to watch you wander around and wonder. He's simply looking for you to turn to Him. And when you turn to Him, your eyes are opened. What, was, what didn't make sense before, right? What didn't make sense before suddenly starts to make sense. And the things that you thought were truth are so obviously lies. But it says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Verse 13 for I can do all things. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Mariah, can you pull up the Amplified for me? I love what it says in the Amplified. It says, I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ." sufficiency. This is not a motivational speech. They can sound the same. It can motivate you and you could go out there and just go right back to your life. This is truth. Jesus means what he said. And this is what he wants to say to you. When you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, victory is fact. Just might not look the way you'd expect, but Jesus wants you to know that if you'll trust, 
and rely on him, he will give you victory. Sometimes we feel like we've given him a shot, we've given him a try before, and it just felt like failure. I believe that the Lord said today, he wants to give you another chance. Give Jesus another chance. I don't know what your your history is, what your story is. Give him another chance. It wasn't him that failed you. I'm sorry to be blunt. I'm not going to put that on you and say that you failed you, but we live in a fallen world. We live in a place of temporary where everything is against God. I wish it weren't so, but it is. I'd rather just tell you the truth so that you know the truth than sugarcoat it and tell you a lie and tell you everything's great. I'd rather you know that this life is temporary, that this is not it, that there's an eternity, and that the devil is trying to get you so focused on here and so focused on self and get you so focused on your little world and what you're going to do to retire so that when you get there, you die. Sorry, I know that that's harsh. But when I die, I don't want to be dead. I want to live forever as Jesus promises me. Give him another chance because death was defeated on that cross. That was the victory he gave us. He won for you so that you can win too. Let's stand. Lord, we thank you for how much you love us. I thank you, Lord, that all we have to do is say, Jesus, I don't understand, and I thank you that I don't need to. All I need to do is say, take my life. I thank you, Jesus, that all I need to do is just surrender. Make something of this life. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace and your mercy that was poured out for us, and that any heart that turns to you is instantly victorious. And then even though we walk in a world, Lord, of trials and there's things that are going to mess with our minds and, and we're going to face sorrows, Lord, we're looking ahead. We're looking to the greatest victory of all, of eternity, of a life with you forever and ever, the rewards, Lord, that we can't even fathom. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.